Welcome to Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert, a podcast sponsored by the Healing Lives Center. Discover how to love and lead your family well and biblically. God created sex, marriage, and the family for our stewardship, growth, and benefit. My heart and passion is to teach, train, educate, and disciple Christians that want strong marriages and families. The Healing Life Center has been serving Christians since the year 2000. Its mission is to be a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation, where we offer counseling, coaching, courses, and speaking services to you, your church, or ministry. Check us out at HealingLives.com. Welcome, welcome. Looking forward to our conversation today, and this is with Laquita Monley. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Corey. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Looking forward to our conversation. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about and a lot of things that you're doing and things that God's been doing with you and through you. So looking forward to um, hearing what's um, what's up with you. So uh, let's start with your story. Tell us a little bit about you and your family life and your ministry and work life. All right. Thanks so much for asking. So I think the the shorter about me that I like to emphasize really is that I'm a, a wife, proud army wife, Hua, and oh. I am a mother of five amazing adult children. I'm a grandmother, a minister of the gospel. And yes, I'm a speaker and coach and all of those great things. But what life has shown me uh, through the Holy Spirit is those roles of wife, mom, and now grandmother, which is the best. <laughs> have absolutely <laughs> laid the foundation for me uh, to be successful in the things that I do, whether it's ministry or business. Nice. And you've actually, I mean, you've been through a lot with just transitioning from uh, kids at home and now grandparents, but also with, with uh, work and actually seeing your ministry go, I, I guess you could say bigger than you ever dreamed it could be. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I didn't, um, to be fair, ministry wasn't on our radar like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it really wasn't. You know, uh, my husband and I we met in high school, uh, wow. back in 1992. He was a senior and I was a freshman. And nice. well, bless the Lord, that was a connection. And <laughs> but we did make a decision one day that caused us to become teenage parents, and so that introduced us to the world of adulting far sooner than what the Lord had intended. Um, but I thank God for our families and our strong family structures that we came out of. Mm -hmm. Both of our families are very, um, I don't want to say strict, like, because that gives such a negative connotation, but we definitely came from some strong believers. And so even though we made that mistake, as it were, what uh, the enemy meant for bad, the Lord definitely has a way of working things together for our good. And so with the support of our families, we were able to make the decision that needed to be made. They didn't pressure us or anything like that. And I'll specifically say me, they didn't pressure me, mm -hmm. which they didn't need to. Um, even though I was very young at the time, when you have a foundation, the scripture tells us, you know, when you raise a child up in the way that they should go, when they're old, they shall not depart. And definitely uh, my faith played a major role in me saying at such a young age, I, I am going to keep my baby and mm -hmm. I'm going to believe God. But, you know, I cannot say I would be lying if I said I knew everything was going to be okay. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. But the thing that I did know for sure 
And, and with this being said, I totally understand that my story is unique to me mm-hmm. and it may not be everyone else's story. Right. But I did know that my family wouldn't let me fail. They would not let me fail. So, and I did not want to, I guess they add another bad decision on top of a bad decision. So yes. we made that, I made that decision, which at boyfriend at the time, he's my husband now, was very excited because while I, we were dating, he always let me know he wanted a huge family. Uh-huh. And I it was like, yeah, we're going to have to compromise because that's not <laughs> what I wanted. <laughs> so he was very happy to hear that that was the decision that I've made. And I, I thank God that if I had to make the mistake, I'm hit it with him and not with someone else. <laughs> if I, you know, if you're going to make the mistake, ladies, uh, that, I, that let me know that you are definitely the man that God had for me. Mm-hmm. Did he intend it to go that way? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely not. But redeems. Yes, absolutely. If we, if we wait on the Lord, yeah. that's how, that's, you know, if we wait on him. Um, you yes. were how, how old were you? At that time, what? Well, yes, I was sixteen. Sixteen, yeah. I mean, the whole yep. your whole world's ahead of you, and it makes no rational sense. And that's where God performed. E- exactly. You know, at that time, I'm I'm an only girl. I'm I'm my my daddy's princess, oh. and so don't tell my husband. But I know I was spoiled, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll never admit it to him. <laughs> so you know, the world was literally my oyster. Yeah, I'm a, I'm. At that time, I was a great student academically, great student athlete, multiple sports. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my biggest decision in life was what clothes am I going to wear? And how can I convince someone else to do the dishes? Because I have a game late tonight and I don't want to come in and do the dishes. (laughs) Like (laughs) those were the biggest decisions that I had to make. And like I said, I, I thank God for for. Our families, my husband came, uh, his family is, is, is amazing. Uh, God fearing mom and dad. And they were definitely there to support us 100% of, of the way from oh, the moment, from the moment that everyone found out that I was pregnant until, you know, the, the times that the Lord called my, my in-laws home, they were always there for support. Love that. And then how long later did you get married? We got married um, about two years later. Uh, I had to finish high school. Yeah. So that <laughs> and it's funny, my husband wanted to get married right then. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself and out loud, no, that's not what I want. <laughs> that That's not what I want. Like, yes, I made this decision, but you're talking about forever. You know, like his parents had been married forever. My parents had been married forever. And I'm like, this is a forever thing. I'm 16. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do this right now. Um, and, but, and uh, they honored my, <laughs> my request, like, you know, no, you don't have to get married right now. My husband was a little disappointed, but he decided to, okay, this is what we're going to do. He joined the army. Mm-hmm. He he uh, came out of university. He, he joined the army. He joined the army reserve so that he could still be around Nice when it was time uh, for me to give birth in it. And it worked out 
almost perfectly from the time he left to go to basic training until the time that he actually came home and was assigned to his reserve station. Mm -hmm. Um, He finished everything and he was back home by January uh, of 1995. And our son was born in March of 1995. So he got to be there for the last two months of the pregnancy and pretty much, you know, the rest is history. Like we've, that's the, I won't say that's the longest we've been apart because we've been apart longer since then. But um, during that time as teenagers trying to figure life out, that's the longest we were apart. Nice. And it's interesting because I, um, in my conversations with people all the time, we want to, and, and even historically in Christian circles, someone's pregnant, well, you have to get married. And it's like, no, because even that's yeah. another, sometimes a, another wrong to correct yes. another wrong. It, no. Versus waiting and actually getting married because we know that God's calling us to be a couple, couple, and yes. all in, not yes. to to make up for this mistake because that this, mistake was exactly. not God's mistake. He didn't yes, go. That was a baby slipped through. Right, like that was that. My family calls me Quasha, and that that was Ben and Quasha's mistake. We absolutely knew that what we were doing was wrong. Yeah, we knew that when I shut over doubt. We knew that, but you know, sometimes this flesh well, even voice is louder. Even, yeah, you know, even say wrong. It's more like wrong timing because what it is timing. is wrong. And we yeah. excellent, yes. Less you know, it wasn't marriage union. Yeah. Yes. And and you said that so perfectly. Like, did did God intend for us to be um coming together as one at that time? Yeah. No. But he was not going to allow the enemy to destroy right. the plans that he had for us. Mm-hmm. So now we just added a new layer to our story, a new layer <laughs> to the journey, right? That that we had to go through. And when we when when we are uh, ministering to couples and and to young people, especially for me uh, as a young woman, I didn't realize until we were. Hmm. It was honestly most recently when we started doing more things in secular stages, Mm -hmm. how important it was for us to show up together with sharing our story. Because a lot of times the emphasis is put on the the woman became a teenage mom, the woman. I did, but I didn't do that by myself. This is not immaculate conception. (laughs) You know, I'm not a plant. I can't, you know, this, (laughs) there was a yes involved in that, (laughs) that made him um, a teenage dad as well. And so when we were, we were being interviewed mm-hmm. and the gentleman that was interviewing us asked my husband a very pointed question. He said, uh, brother Ben, what was going through your mind? And to be fair, Corey, for years, that never crossed my mind. What was going through his mind? Yes. It did not concern me. It did not begin to concern me until after we actively started ministering to couples together. It was, oh my God, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm feeling. And because he just always showed up as like this pillar of strength. I was a, I was a bag full of jelly (laughs) during that time. (laughs) And he never let me once see him waver. Mm -hmm. We're, we're keep, we are keeping our baby. This is what we're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. This is what you need to do while I'm away. Like, it wasn't like he was a dictator. It's like, 
-hmm. I'm leaving college. I'm going in the army. We've got to provide. When you graduate, Mm -hmm. if you're open and ready to be married, we'll do that then. But I got to have a way to take care of you and Dario. And that was all he let me see. Yes. I was just, you know, snot and tears and emotions about how this thing is going to be. So the more that we minister together, the more I hear his story of what was actually going on on the inside. And the same thing was going on in him that was going on in me with that different weight of responsibility of I've got to be a leader and I have no idea how. Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. When you mentioned just now, when you mentioned the, the speaking in secular settings, so then how how has that played out to sharing your story and showing up and especially as a couple in secular settings, what's that look like? It, it It's an interesting look. Sometimes when we're invited, people genuinely want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, other times, you know, it's the world. So they're trying to poke a hole in yeah. what's happening. And yeah. we've come together and decided that our response to that will be, you know, where the scripture is silent, I'm silent. And where the Bible is speaking loudly, I will speak loudly. But to let our life be the answer. Like we weren't perfect. We made mistakes. We're transparent about that to a point. Now, no one has the right to know all of my story. Like, (laughs) yeah, so we're and sometimes in secular settings that they want to know every last little detail. And like my parents don't know every last little detail. I'm not telling you. So yeah, the you world know. the world gets very voyeuristic, which is really creepy. Yes. Yeah. It's very creepy because I don't want to know that much about you. So Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I like the way but you said in, that. It, they, they want to poke a hole in in your story and in your life, which is disgustingly heartbreaking. It's like, let's destroy you. And then we call that right. entertainment. And we call it entertainment or, or you know, to show how um the nuclear family is not what works and, and that it can be very annoying. It can be very annoying, you know, especially at times where we've been interviewed, uh, whether together or apart. And the person that's interviewing us has gone through numerous marriages and there's no way you've loved that many people. You've been in lust with all of those, but you were not in love with all of those people. And are you single and you're trying to figure it out? but you're trying to poke a hole into a 26 year union. Mm-hmm. Make it make sense. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Like, no. Yeah. But by and large, for the most part, it has been, it has been amazing because what we don't get to see a lot of these days is positive mm-hmm. Christian families. Yep. And it's irregardless of the color of our skin, they're not showing us. They're not giving us the time um, on the, whether it's radio, whether it's YouTube, you know, streaming platforms, traditional TV platforms. They're only giving us time when it fails. Right. And then they say, okay, see the guy you served that it failed. The way that you were saying family should be that fail. That's what's wrong with the world now. And like no those two people made a mistake had nothing to do with jesus and if you let them get the story out they'll tell you it had nothing to do with jesus it was some bad decisions we made yeah that every single person makes them makes bad decisions yes it's human nature 
And then what? <laughs> it's kind of what we do. Yeah. Like, how do we, how do we get back on our feet? How do we redeem? Is it about me? Is it about yes. others? In this case, you made another one person. So it becomes way yeah. more than just about me. It may, it's about this child. Um, yes. And that's another, tremendous. you know, point where sometimes me as a woman, I can be attacked a little bit mm -hmm. um, because, of course, I am pro-life and I understand pro-choice. I was pro-choice for a long time. In my circumstance. It was a decision I made. And at that moment in my life, I felt like I was adult enough to make that decision. And so when it really boiled down to the rationale that I used, if I was adult enough to make that decision, then I needed to be adult enough to deal with the consequences of that decision, yes. you know, and sometimes, you know, people try to take the conversation. Well, you know, that's not everyone's story. Again, I understand that my husband, a boyfriend at the time did not take advantage of me. I, I it was a joint effort. And was I ready for that responsibility? No, <laughs> I wasn't even ready to say yes when I said yes, but I did. And so now I had but, to trust and believe think about that everyone else. it's going to work out. Think about everyone else yeah. that had kids, even after they were married for a year or two or three or four, were they right. ready? Are they ready? Were they re Exactly. Gosh, no. no, I have no clue. No. And like of all the we had a lot of do, growing up to do. Exactly. Like, where <laughs> yeah. do you get parenting classes? It's almost nowhere unless you're in trouble with the state. And then exactly. And then it's not really parenting classes. It's yeah. this is what you do. Yeah. Because I told you to. Yeah. Which is where, <laughs> to me, the church is where that, that should be done. The local church. Absolutely. Teaching a biblical view of parenting, biblical view of marriage, um, biblical view of sexuality. Yes. Uh, and then other topics too money and health, everything. But all of that uh, definitely uh, should be included. It, it's my belief, you know, and some of the things that we are actively building mm -hmm. um, ministry around are those things that you just said. It doesn't matter how old you are when you get married. If you don't have a clear understanding of who you are and who God is in your life, you're, you're failing already. If you don't understand that, because now how do I totally understand this partner that I said yes to? Yes. Because if I don't know me and I don't understand me, then I have an unrealistic expectation set up as this relates to this partner who will fail every single time. And so I'm already setting myself up for failure. If I'm not good with my money, then that's another failure. If I don't understand, you know, uh, the biblical worldview as it relates to what does it mean to submit to your husband? What does it mean to, as a man, to lead my family or love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? What does that mean? Like, then we're looking for the answers in the wrong places. What does it mean about raising my children? Whose primary responsibility is it? Oh, it's just the wife's responsibility. I'm going to leave it to her and I make the money. That's not quite how that worked out biblically, but and that's one of the reasons it's not really working out for us in the world because we're doing it wrong. Like exactly. all of these things should be taught mm -hmm. to us or at least exposed to us in a great way within. Um, we should have ministries for that. Like we can't make we can leave the horse to water, but we can't make him drink. But we at least need to make it available. 
Mm-hmm. Well, like I know so that people have of, a foundation. One of my books that I wrote, this one right here, the Going Beyond the Talk, um, which talks about a biblical worldview for sex and gender, but it's written to teenagers. Um, yes. One of the reviews that I had from an 18 year old was, thank you for showing me, walking me through kind of what to think and how to think, but allowing me to choose what I think and what I yes. believe, not yes. me, not forcing it down my throat. And I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because that's yes. like, what I wanted to do, but it's so hard to do. Because it, it often can come across as this is just you have to believe this. But like you said, mm-hmm. a lot of what we do with even marriage is much more tradition and culture, not biblical. Not biblical. Yeah. And, and so learning what the scripture says. And what it that doesn't. was and what it doesn't say, that was a, a turning point for us in our marriage. Nice. To be fair, um, we were. We were actually stationed um, in the UK at the time when that began to shift, when that view began to shift, because when when church culture and tradition and a lot of dogmatic things are mistaken as scripture, that brings a lot of conflict into the Christian home. Oh yes, because honestly, that that dogmatic view. And those, you know, doctoral beliefs that are not biblical, like who can live up to that? (laughs) You know, it's like you cannot, you will fail. It is naturally within me as a woman. God designed me to submit. Like I'm looking for something to submit to, whether I want to agree with it or not. You know, if we have some feminists that will listen, they'll probably be angry, but they say angry with me often. Yes. It's just in my nature. But that does not mean that also within who I am as a person, that there's not a leader in me, that there is not a strong foundation or a voice in me that seeks for my identity, that seeks to walk in the purpose and the plan that God has for my life. Those two things can synergistically work together in a very healthy way. Yes. And one of the (laughs) one of the church's favorite parables that, you know, to me is just not taught properly in enough settings. Some there's some great teachers that teach it properly, but the proverb 31 woman was anything but a doormat. You know, that sis is, she was not, she was that did she submit to her husband? Absolutely. Uh, Was he this wonderful man that was being praised in the city gates? Absolutely. But he trusted her. If we're looking at it from a modern standpoint, that means she had access to the bank accounts. And she was free to use it at her discretion because he trusted her. Their family was working together. How else was she able to observe that field, buy that field, make the determination of what to use that field for, to turn it into a vineyard and then provide jobs for her community? Yeah, she was an entrepreneur. Yes, she was an entrepreneur. So that was she a leader in every aspect of the word. That's why. You know, her children loved her. Her husband praised her. Servant, her servants adored her. Yeah. She wasn't, you know, this doormat yeah. just waiting for permission to breathe or waiting for her husband to tell her what to think and what to do. She was anything but that. Yeah. And that is uh, that is one that is one of the many uh, scripture references that I refer to when I'm talking about the 
the biblical marriage, the biblical role as a woman. It is not what the world has told you it is. It is not what false doctrines of times past right. has said that it is. And we can work together in this marriage, occupying our roles, our biblical roles, mm-hmm. um, and being 100% okay with, I, I don't want my husband's job. I thought I did <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. No, he, the Lord didn't build me for that. <laughs> Which is part of my shoulders can't handle that. Yeah. Going back to Jim in the fall, he's going to work in a different way, relate differently to work. And that's the curse for him. And for her, it's pain in childbirth and Mm -hmm. her desire will be to rule over him. And we see that in our culture, Mm -hmm. it's an unhealthy um, position, but it's Mm -hmm. one that many men are like, fine. Okay. You, you lead. I, and passivity, oh, men that are passive is one of my just, Like it's annoying. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I don't mean you're supposed to be some macho, whatever. It's like, no, that's not the picture at all. It's one of even quiet leadership um, for some and others are more like we're so different in all of our ways of showing up as as men and as women. Um, My wife and I, I am, I'm the girl in our marriage in terms of I'm the emotional one and I cry at everything. And I, um, I crochet and cross stitch and, and all the, that kind of stuff. She's the more analytical. She used to be in the legal field. And, but in the end of the day, I'm so the guy and she's so the girl and God's design is so yes. perfect. So and perfect. Yeah. I didn't even feel like I made sense until I met her, like meeting mm. her. Like, wow, my, I was in my late twenties. Like my life made more sense all of a sudden. And now we're at this summer will be 20 years of marriage which is that's beautiful. We're just getting started. So that's awesome. Yes. The fun is just beginning. And and that's so beautiful. Like, and that's, that's really the way it is. We complement each other very well. God is perfect in all of his ways. His wisdom is everlasting. And my husband and I on paper could be, could not be more different. Same here. (laughs) We (laughs) We could not be more different. But we fit together perfectly and we complement each other very well. And coming to a place where I understood and he understood what biblical submission is. And I understood and he understood his role as the leader uh, and the head of our home and how, for me, that the world's definition of submission is toxic. It's not what God intended at all. And for him, the same thing, because in the body of Christ, if it's taught wrong, then, you know, we had, we can create a mess where the woman does feel like she has no voice and she begins to feel like she's trapped, but that's not what God said. That's not what God intended. And I honestly don't even know how the whole erroneous thought system even came up because as we look back over some of the great women in scripture, they were none of that. Like at all, Sarah had an opinion and she wasn't afraid to share it with Abraham. You know, like there have been so many great women. That was an anomaly in the culture too. Yeah. Because in in the culture back where almost women were property. mm -hmm. I mean, one of the beautiful things about scripture is scripture came in and said, no, all the ways exactly men where you have your concubines and you have your you know, your slaves that you're having sex with and your wife is someone that you just make a, a male heir with. Mm-hmm. No, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. 
Yes. And your body's hers and her body's yours. Whoa. Like all this, yes. like no way it brings it back to, I have a perfect design, perfect. Yes. Design. Stop trying to reinvent. Yes. What are we doing now? We're trying to reinvent yeah. with poly. We're trying to reinvent. And mm. whatever feels good in the moment. And yeah, exactly. Well, you said when you got married, you get married with, and you talk to couples with all these like hopes, like, yeah, I make the best decision of my life. And then a few weeks later, it's like, <laughs> did I marry a doofus? Like what in the world? <laughs> They're human. Right. It's the times yes. where I feel like I'm lost that I need that. I need that guiding system, which is scripture. Mm -hmm. okay, calm down. It, you know, focus, breathe, <laughs> breathe. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's in our current culture. Um, Things like courting, if you will, like, yeah. I don't know what other people call it. I'm real Southern from Mississippi. That's <laughs> what we call it. Yes. You know, those times have purpose. Mm -hmm. They have purpose. Not only am I getting to know my potential significant other, I'm getting to know the their families. And in that time as believers, we should be praying. Yes. We should be seeking God for wisdom and for clarity um, and not just going by our emotions because honestly, our emotions can lead us down some wrong paths. Oh gosh. Yes. But if, if, if we are, if we're doing this thing the right way, if I can say that, mm -hmm. then he'll keep you from going down those wrong paths. Yeah, He'll keep you from going down those wrong paths and you will find yourself um, connected to the right partner. And, I, I have to say this as well, even though I met my husband as a teenager, I didn't find him. He found me. And that is important. Mm -hmm. And he found me by me doing the things that I love to do. And that was being a great athlete, being a great student. Um, and our church is what sometimes, uh, you know, have, we would, in youth conferences together and things like that. And so that's where he found me. He pursued me. That is vitally important. Yes. I think that's to me I, as a woman is, is, yeah. is what I'm, Shoot. you know, is the thing that I, I implore to my daughter and, and to many other young women and, and just women that are not married. Don't fall victim to the enemy's tactics yeah. and have yourself chasing if you have to chase him, honey, you're going to have to do that for the rest of your marriage. You don't Preach. want that. Preach it. You will regret <laughs> so that true. quick. Oh, <laughs> if he doesn't, if he doesn't have within him yeah. what it takes to possibly face that rejection, then you're going to see that show up in his work or lack of work in his worship, in his walk with Christ. You're going to see that show up everywhere because he has not yet figured out what it means to be a man. Yes. And you don't want that. Yeah. You don't want that so at all. True. So true. I know when I met my wife through an online dating service um, in Dallas, Texas, and um, she's from Mississippi as well. And all right, she, she emailed me first. So I'm like, ah, you made the first move. She's like, no, it's just like I raised my hand. <laughs> so I'm in the room. And then you yeah. did the rest. And I was like, I know, because I did, for <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun to kind of point out because a lot of women, especially even ask, can I even raise my hand? Can I say any? No, absolutely. And like yeah. you said, if you're putting your 
your heart and your efforts in at, at tasks that are honoring Christ, that are showing mm-hmm. your character and showing passion for even a sport or another kind of craft, he's going to look at that and go, I want to be a part of that. Yes. If you're sitting around on your couch waiting for a guy to walk through the door, yeah, you're not going to want to up. Well, and the pigs no. going to be pretty, you know, icky. Like, no, you don't want those kind of guys. Exactly. Exactly. I remember and a girl I actually I met at a an event in Dallas, Texas. I saw her one time. I never saw her again. But every time I called her to try to set up a date, she was too busy with her work and her other ministries and her church stuff. And I'm like, she's got more and more attractive each time I called her, even though I never saw her. Yes. Because she's so busy <laughs> doing beautiful things not sit around and so women men and i think that's the part of the yeah i think that's the part of a nature of being a man at least according to my husband it's the (laughs) thrill of the hunt (laughs) (laughs) you know that's something that he tells my our sons you know if she's too easy to catch you want to throw her back it's like you have this thing catch and release (laughs) (laughs) and not every fish that jumps on the hook needs to come into the boat Yep. So, you know, you measure them out yep, and see if they're worthy, if they're Actually, legal. And if and they're like not, you, you put measure them back. Them out. Yeah. What, so then what do yeah. you measure them by? Like, that's exactly. a really critical, if you can't answer that, like if they're morally mm-hmm. corrupt, okay, that you're marrying that. If they're not sure kind of where their boundaries are with ethics and what should they steal from where they work? Should they fudge their hours? Like, right. like, what kind of person are they if they're late? Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that's the thing, you know, one of the other measuring sticks that he tells um, our children, if you have to second guess whether or not to bring them to meet us, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's not a happily ever after situation. <laughs> if you have to second guess. Yeah. whether or not to to bring them home to meet your parents. And and I say that, um, and I've realized that some people may say, well, you know, Laquita, you don't know my parents. You don't know my background. That is very true. Yeah. That is very true, um, And which is, this is unique to us. You know, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but um, we do try our very best to be, you know, great humans and I, great parents. I've been, part, I've been a part of phone calls where I've got a young man at my house I'm a, I'm a professor at a university and I've had to help him make that phone call to a, to a young lady's dad. Yes. But not so to, cute. but not to ask for her hand in marriage to tell him I am yeah. marrying your daughter because it's an unhealthy family with an unhealthy parent that is not mm-hmm. going to respond well. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's been horrible. Like some families, yeah, you, your mom or your dad are not people that, you would you want your significant other to meet yeah well they would kind of have to meet them eventually but you would not almost care their opinion because they are in an unhealthy place they're addicts there so that means you now need this is the body of christ you must have Mm -hmm. people in your life and i call Mm -hmm. it basically you need your committee you need your two or three that can help vet am i sane here in my emotions and my hormones in thinking Mm -hmm. of marrying even dating this person um yes so critical yes it is it is very critical very very critical you know when our children were in high school and they were dating um one of the 
one of the big arguments that we had with our daughter, you know, the the world just doesn't care who goes to see whom, when, where, and how. And for us, that's critically important. Um, If the young man isn't brave enough, if I can say it like that, if he's not brave enough to approach me and your father and said, hey, I like Denise and I'd like to take her out on a date or can I come by for dinner sometimes or something like that. If everything has to be done a secret, then he's not what you want. Amen. And and vice versa, you know, for, for our sons, if you can't go and approach, then why? What's the why behind why you cannot approach the parents and ask? Yep. And if she wants to do everything in a secret, we need to know the why's behind that. Yeah. To see if this is going to be something that is healthy or if this is going to be something that has the potential to be very unhealthy. It's it's like what you're saying, having that team as a as a young adult doing it. Okay, maybe you don't have your parents to go back and forth, but having that team, that's why it's so important that when we join a church. That's a very critical decision. Can that church family uh, be a part, an active part of my life that I know them, I trust them, and I can be transparent with, I'm not saying everybody in the building. (laughs) Committee. Not everybody. A few people. But that's got to have that core nuclear group that I can be vulnerable. I can be transparent and I can trust them and know that they're praying for me and I'm praying for them. So when these kind of decisions come by, if if my parenting or home life or guardian life isn't healthy, then I have to have somebody that is in my life. Yeah. I know Vodi Bakum, one of the things that he says, he used to be a pastor in Houston. Now he lives in, I think, Zambia with his family. And he um, talks about, he raises his sons and daughters all to be father or to be husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I feel like we've lost that, that my son are to grow up and be, husbands and fathers that's what mm-hmm. now if they that's don't what God's design is right yes. if they don't that's a different story and we'll deal with that but the opposite mm-hmm. is happening we're growing up independent fierce individuals that almost can't yes. couple up because they're mm-hmm. too um on their own too self-centered yes so yes the, the dinks have you heard of that term dinks do i'm no kids d-i-n-k dinks all right yeah or right. not even even more exciting <laughs> dink dink wads dual income no kids with a dog all right <laughs> i'm like we are just going what? nuts nuts we are just, meant to be just married. Nuts. you're meant to have children and if you think of mm-hmm. having children it changes who you are you look at the world different yeah very differently a lot of our politicians and people in power have never had kids and they're making decisions about kids. terrible decisions terrible decisions terrible they decisions no clue what they're doing because they've never been mm-hmm. a parent it changes who you exactly. are exactly it 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 totally does um part of god's design. i could not agree more we were my oldest son was in the ninth grade and my youngest was in the second grade when the lord first spoke to us about becoming homeschool parents mm-hmm. and I totally freaked out again. I've had many freak out <laughs> moments in my life. That was one of them. <laughs> like, yeah. do you know we have five and two of them are smarter than me already? Like, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Like, what am I supposed to do? And we did not live in the country at the time. We were living in the UK. What am I going to do? Um, and that, that first year, I did not. 
I was, I had a million and one reasons why. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But by the second year, I did. Mm -hmm. And I will say this. If I could turn back the hands of time, I would turn back to when my oldest was getting ready to go to Mm pre-K. And my children would never go to a public school, at least not at that point. Yeah. Um, because, and I would say this, what was happening in public school when I was coming through public school versus what's happening in public school now, it's very different. And it was, was not that long ago. Right. And the main thing being that it did not matter the lifestyles that our teachers led. Oh gosh. I you know. know, LGBT community has been a community since the beginning of time, yeah. but the level of decorum or respect that they have for their positions as teachers yes, and for parents you kept that private was such that whatever my lifestyle was as the educator was my business and my personal business alone. And I did not allow it to impact the way that I taught my students. Right. I was not, uh, my teachers did not go against what my parents said Unless, of course, there was harm being done to the child, then yes, they came together and you helped that child get out of that bad situation. But whether they were Christians or non-Christians or whatever, a lot of these things I didn't find out until after I graduated high school and became an adult and could go to some of the places adults go to. And it's like, oh, Miss So-and-so is this or Mr. So-and-so is that. They didn't live that at school. And there was times where we had teachers that were openly and defiantly uh, opposing who we are as a Christian family. Mm-hmm. And that did not help with the raising of our kids and helping to point out to them, point them into their, their God-given roles. Just because my daughter is to be a wife and a mom does not mean she doesn't have career ambitions and she shouldn't pursue those. Right. Same thing for my sons. That, that does not mean that, yeah. but in the culture, they teach the exact opposite. And I, yeah. we just could not continue in that vein and allowing that we needed to be able to be the primary um, influences and then have more say so in what some of the other homeschool groups that we were a part of in different things, people who were positively reinforcing yes, exactly. what we believe exactly for eight hours because our children are gone from us eight to 10 hours a day, especially if they're playing a sport. I get them at the end of the day when they're tired and frustrated and have a few minutes for homework and I can feed them a meal and then they're off to bed. And then on the weekends, they're playing games here and there and everywhere. And they hear us, but they don't hear us because we're no longer the prominent voice. Correct. Yeah. Everything else is. And so if I could redo, Mm -hmm. I would redo that. Yeah. I wouldn't redo anything else Mm is honestly sitting here now becoming a teenage parent the Lord really worked that together for my good. He re- he really did. I don't recommend it. Please just don't <laughs> misconstrue that. I don't recommend right. it. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. But I would not change that part of my story. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. Our kids have actually never been to a school like our, all three of ours have been, um, and homeschooled. And so we're in our 11th year. So our oldest is 11th grade. And so next year is the senior year. And there's been hard times where it's like, I want to be with my friends. And it's like, we get it. Mm-hmm. But no, we, our mm-hmm. values are very different there. Um, but mm-hmm. even our decision to homeschool was made out of desperation 
we lived in Georgia at the time and I was in and out of hospitals. And so we did it out of just, there's no way we could manage getting kids up and getting them to school and dealing with me in hospitals and blood transfusions and just it, life was hard. And that was with, yeah. I guess we had all three of them at the time. Yeah, we had all three. Um, but, and then it just continued because my, my wife was just horrified of the idea of homeschooling. Um, that was more my idea. I understand. <laughs> and she's now 11th year doing it and loves it. And uh, we, we've got, we've got five more years, like in five years, our youngest will be gone. And so it's like, wow, it's coming to a close. close but yeah. think about what I think about my friends that are in their kids are in public school now. And we live in Oregon, which is a psychotically different culture. Um, in the school system you and I, and this is hard to say but if they're in those schools because you either have to or choose to you better mm -hmm. be as active as this as if you were homeschooling them in that school if they'll let you i know in some districts here where i live in exactly. texas the schools will not even let the parents come into the classroom and that's where okay now we've got to reevaluate so think about <laughs> it that way if they will not let you okay we've got this is a problem you this, should that's a huge problem you should be almost as involved yes. as if you were homeschooling them yourself because otherwise yeah you are you lose your role as a parent back when they're in mm -hmm. their single digits back in elementary school like, no. exactly no, you know or their primary our, <clears throat> yeah that one of our um neighbors mm -hmm. uh just moved here for i can't remember if it's north carolina or south carolina but long story short um they were sharing with us a prayer point um, mm -hmm. because some friends of theirs were experiencing a lawsuit from the school district back where they came from Ooh. because the school district and the school officials had determined that the, the fourth grade child identified as the opposite sex yeah. and the parents are, are like, no, never. Like, I don't care what you're saying or doing. We're not doing, we're, yeah. we're not doing that. Yeah. They're fourth grade. They have no idea what they're doing right now. None whatsoever. And so the school district is suing them for negligence. Wow. Never. Yeah. Never. Which is know. so sad because the research on that continues to come out. It's an area that I work in. The mm -hmm. research continues without fail and research is biased and research is done wrong all the time, mm -hmm. but it shows that if you leave a kid alone mm -hmm. and do nothing, which actually mm -hmm. really means focus on their mental health and focus on other aspects of who they are, which is every kid, 95% mm -hmm. mm -hmm. of them choose the gender that they were born into. And this mm -hmm. is a non-issue. Yes, gender mm -hmm. dysphoria is real, um, but that's a very small, tiny amount Versus this huge movement of, huge. I feel this way, I feel that way. Like I've mentioned earlier, I'm the girl, my wife's the guy in our relationship, in our marriage. I, if I were living today in high school, I don't know what they would do to me. Wow. Everything about and me it, is it, more flamboyant and more, um, more feminine and more, mm -hmm. um, I was a music major in college. I... Yeah, everything about me was that kind of stuff. And I love purple and pink and flowers and all this stuff. And it's like, in the end of the day, I was still as male as I could be. I just wasn't like- As you could male. be. 
in comparison, right. that's what we fail. We compare. Well, I'm not like mm-hmm. those males. And what for me it led to is after 15 casts, so broken bones, and I lived in, an, I grew up in South America and Chile. Um, I went from playing soccer every day, which is the only sport that, that exists. <laughs> and so I played soccer <laughs> to playing instruments and learning how to, to do music mm-hmm. stuff and writing and composing. And it led to that because of things in my life that, that led to that. That led to that. Every single it's like we, it's like we forget peer pressure is real. Oh gosh. It's and so that's really what a lot of young people are experiencing growing up in the nineties. Peer pressure was different than what it looks like today. Again, did we have that the, from the parent, the teachers it's pressure from the administration. Yes. It's pressure from Pre- the, uh, yes. and adults that are to, evil to say, you know, you just embrace this, like, but that's not who I am. Like you, <clears throat> Growing up in the 90s, I was the poster child for tomboy. Uh-huh, yep. Like if there was a definition in the dictionary, my picture was on it. <laughs> yep. Because I didn't like the skirts or the dresses. I wore those when I had to. Yep. Jeans, t-shirt. I was the only girl on the on the um hardball baseball team. I didn't play softball with the rest of the girls because I'm the only girl. So I had male cousins and I wanted to go play with them. Yeah. So I'd be the only girl on the fast pitch team <laughs> yeah. nice. playing basketball in the neighborhood with the rest of the guys. That's how I got to be so good. I didn't play with girls. I played with guys because yep. you girls aren't really given a chance to express themselves athletically like that until they're in middle school or high school. And mm-hmm. it's too late by then. So yeah. I would have been pressured into, or with today's culture, and to saying, oh, in order for me to fit in as an athlete, you know, as a tomboy, then I must like girls. No, I don't. I love boys. <laughs> and I have for a very long time. It's just yeah. I'm more comfortable mm-hmm. in what you would say is traditionally male. Like, yeah. leave these so kids many, alone. But for so many, even as they get older into that middle school you know, adolescence, there's harm there, too. That mm-hmm. when you finally take a risk and like a boy and it, they break your mm-hmm. heart. Yeah. Well, you've given them the oh, other options of, oh, well, then I must be this. It's like, no. Right. No. You're a teenager. It's part of life. So, yes. Yeah, it's not fun. And, you know, yeah. You know, teenage boys aren't that it. smart and teenage girls aren't uh-huh. that smart. And you know, <laughs> so sometimes true. we make decisions. Right. That make each other feel bad. Well, I come about- to the class reunion later. I promise you he'll regret it. And he'll <laughs> <Yeah>. tell you. <laughs> Even think about what you just said there. It's like, and then yet we go, let's date in high school. It's like, no, mm-hmm. dating in high school is is dangerous because are it's we very able dangerous? To handle the potential repercussions of that those hormones mm-hmm. and that desire for more, which is how God made you. It's not a mistake. Yes. So we need to be pushing dating, and especially I love the word courtship into later years. And it is then getting right. to know the family and getting to know mm-hmm. each other's cultures, if you will, and then yes. deciding. Then we do marriage, then sex, then babies, then there's a design. Those design, you know, one of the one question that I'm asked often by teenagers uh, because my husband and I met so young. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we do have the pleasure to have a group of teenagers around us, you know, as my, our kids were coming up Mm -hmm. and they would say, well, 
Miss Mondley, what is the one thing that you regret um, with dating Mr. Ben so young? And I said, I regret having sex with him. He was always going to be my husband. That was God's design. And our relationship was fabulous. It didn't actually start to have issues until after we made that decision. Because you open up so many other things that were problems that are problems that were not a problem before because you had not opened up that box. And now that you've opened up that box, it shifted for both of us, not just him, but for me as well. You know, we yeah. both kind of lost our mind a little bit mm-hmm. at that moment. Right. And it, yeah. it's like, if he is, if he is in love with you that much, honey, he will wait. And mm-hmm. because we have been dating two years when we made that decision and with each passing year, we were getting closer and closer. We had dated for two years. Yeah. Which is why he was starting at, I guess that means you were 14 when you started dating. I had just, yep. I was 14 getting ready to turn 15. My dad didn't know. I couldn't (laughs) let dad know until I was 15. (laughs) Couldn't let him know until I was 15. So yeah, but, he understood my values because he'd come out of a home with those same values. And we had that conversation. Like that's not on the table. Sex is not on the table. Well, why? Because of what I believe I'm not going to hell for you. I was, you know, that's the best way I could articulate it at that, at that age. Like I'm not doing this for you, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't even know if we'll be together forever. No, I'm not doing that. And he respected that decision. Yeah. He respected that decision. And we just had, fun being kids he loved the fact that I played sports Mm -hmm. so most of our dates took place on the basketball court funny enough (laughs) you know but it's not straying away from God's perfect design for us I mean I couldn't say it better than what you said as women God designed us to be wives and mothers and so much more Mm -hmm. so much more not that being a wife and a mom Proverbs 31 you said yes yeah yes he designed us to be that Proverbs 31 woman, you know, and if we even look, I love to put women in the, in the direction of Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Rebecca was minding her business, doing what <laughs> yep. knew to do. Yep. <laughs> I must admit, I don't know if I could have carried all that water. Yeah, exactly. He would have had to help me. Yep. <laughs> but in that doing what she had been taught to do, what she knew to do, she, I didn't mean the scripture doesn't say whether she was trusting about her husband. So I'm going to assume he wasn't on her mind. Right. But little did she know. Mm-hmm. Simply by doing what she's been called in position to do. Being a help. That's all she was doing was being a help to a stranger as was custom in the land. Yep. And now she's in the bloodline of Christ. It can't get better than that. It, it can't you know, doing what you've been called to do, you will reap that reward. You will reap that benefit in God's well, even And even for her, she was, she was uh, serving a stranger. You also, mm. you don't speak to strangers actually. So she was mm. not, she was actually different. She stood out as someone that in that time she was to be seen and not heard and to like, kind of disappear into the, into the, peripherals and no she actually yeah it's a beautiful picture um 
And mm-hmm. we, and- we've got to decide what kind of man or woman I want to be mm-hmm. uh, at every stage of life too. Like having kids in your twenties and thirties is very different than having your kids in your late thirties and forties. Yes. And what a lot of ki- a lot of young people are discovering, well, I went to college and I got the dream and I'm miserable. I've got my job, mm-hmm. my career. Mm-hmm. And now I'm actually almost too late to be able to bear children. And I haven't found a husband. And now what? So there's this huge mm-hmm. movement of lack of people becoming yeah. parents. and uh, or, or they're choosing to become single parents yeah. through scientific means. Yes. Yes. You yes. know, you know having my children at a young age it was not fun no it be, the majority of that time to be fair we were not in ministry we were not in church we were just in the world struggling surviving and so surviving yes and I, did i suffer de- uh, postpartum depression and just depression in general i did but again i point that back to me not understanding who i am and who God created me to be and who he was. I knew of him because I grew up, but I did not have an adult size relationship with him yet. Good point. Yeah. And so I struggle, but sitting here, the woman that I am today, oh, there's many reasons why I would do that again. (laughs) (laughs) No, my youngest got the best of us. I will say that he got the best of us. He got to have us as parents who knew who they were in Christ and knew who God was and uh, were more stable in careers financially. And so he got a lot of things that our older children did not get because we were still trying to figure it out, but I still would not do it in reverse. I'm, I, I'd say, okay, Lord, give me, let me keep this knowledge and just rewind time so that I won't be as anxious. I won't be as nervous. I won't be as worried. And when we're making these decisions, but yeah, now where some of my friends are struggling to find the babysitter or, you know, they're dealing with the things that parents deal with. I'm dealing with a different set of circumstances. You know, my children are adults and out of the house and raising families of their own, Mm -hmm. except for the one that's in college. And the most I hear from him is I'm out of money. That's normal. You know, mom, can you send mom? Where's dad? I need some money. <laughs> mom, can you put dad on the phone or he's FaceTiming my husband? It's like, dad, this thing is going on with my car. What's happening? <laughs> you know, we're having those conversations, but n- you know, I wouldn't change it. No. I would not change it because at this phase of my life, um, we're able to be and do without, um, I don't want to call children a hindrance, but God's wisdom, the things that we're able to do in ministry and in business, Mm -hmm. because we no longer have small children, we're much more flexible to where we can do it together instead of, well, one of us, you're going to go to this ministry this weekend, babe, and teach that. And okay, next time you go to this women's ministry and teach that. And I have, you know, we were always having to find a way or compromise. Now we just show up. Yeah. And think of this. I like that. Like there are some families that, and I'm going to put it, I'm going to use the word calling on purpose, but they, they're called to have those 12 kids or 15 kids and they have forever and they, they have to do that battle for others. It's one 
I was at a family's yeah. house recently and they, they have one child and it's like, why? Well, she almost died in um, the mom in, in birth mm. and, and um, the whole pregnancy was almost killed her. It's like, okay, that makes sense. That's why that makes Mothers sense. have one yeah. because they're selfish and they don't <laughs> want to have anymore. And that's a whole different story. Yeah. Same for zero, but others yeah. have a story of they've had an abortion or two or three. It's mm. like, and now they can't. And we live with our, with our choices and mm -hmm. we either live in the present moving forward or we leave stuck in the past and God's mm -hmm. calling us into the future, into living in yes. the present future, not stuck in whatever the past might be. But for so many yes. we're stuck in the past, the shoulda, coulda, mm -hmm. wouldas. And it's like, no, yeah. you're no, meant don't to do that. greater at this new stage of life and around the corner, yes. another stage and around the corner is another stage. Yes. It's so beautiful. And I am so glad God did not call me to the 10, 12, 13, 15 kids. I have a good friend. <laughs> uh, her her social media moniker is America's Supermom. And I have five. And I thought I was doing great things until I met Lachelle. And Lachelle has 15. And it's like Comparison. eight of them still at home. And, I, and they're another military family. <laughs> How did you do that? Wow, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How did you do that in a homeschool? And I mean, they, they are they have this amazing ministry outside of Fort Stewart, Georgia. It's like, how did you guys do that? But bless God, we'll support you in any way that we can. I don't know how you did that. <laughs> and but it's and, neat to see that, like the way that God equips yeah. each husband and each wife, each mom and each dad. Yes. We're all different. What I can handle than someone else, what my wife can handle is different than someone than another mom or wife. And it's like we and comparison is one of the things that's killing our young girls right now because of social media. Yes. It's yes. killing them, oh literally goodness. leading them to commit suicide. So yes, we are not going to not compare, but we can choose what we look at, devices, mm -hmm. and compare with, mm -hmm. or go. You are a superstar having five kids in our culture, for that matter. But then when we throw in the fifteen kids, now all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, <laughs> my <laughs> wife got three, and that was it. After three C-sections, yeah. it's like no more C-sections. I'm not getting no, I'm done. I wanted a big, big thing. My husband wanted a huge, huge family. He comes from a huge family. My parents have three. <laughs> <laughs> but for you, five is It's like he was speaking a foreign language. Yep. Five was the stretch for me. Exactly. It's like, okay, buddy, I'm done. But even, even in that, I, I I thank God that I was born the time that I was born because like you said, comparison is like a thing that we do consciously or unconsciously. Yep. But because of the time period that I was born and where I was born, it didn't have the type of negative impact on me that even it had on my daughter. Yes. Good. To, good to um, homeschooling, I know help to save my daughter mm -hmm. when we pulled them out when they did because she was in middle school um and in the military community it's all about inclusion and you have different cultures and you have different things of that nature but there's also a lot of toxicity and i i'm black and my husband is black well in their 
age group and all of these different things. These kids are comparing skin tone. They're comparing hair texture. They're comparing, okay, are you a multiracial person or you're, you know, all of these things and where it found my child at the bottom of the list as it related to, you know, because both of her parents were black. And I kept, you know, just like the Lord just won't let some things move you. It's just unsettling your spirit prior to us making that decision to pull her out of school. And I was just uneasy. She wasn't showing it naturally. You would think something, she was okay. Yes, the the Lord just had to keep pressing it in my spirit, on my heart. Until finally we had a conversation. She and I would go out for ice cream dates so that we could talk. That was our thing. We go out and get up ice cream or a float or something to have a conversation. And so she finally told me one day and my heart broke in two because I never experienced that growing up. Yeah. I never experienced that growing up. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. Like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And she did her best to explain. She said, mom, I know, you know, what you saying, what dad saying, you know, everyone at church and your friends, but you guys have to say that because, you know, you love me. And, but these, this is what's happening at school because I'm a young lady. I'm desiring to date. And these are the things. And that's what they're like. Oh my God, how do you combat that? And then digging into it a little deeper. She was a cheerleader at the time, digging into it a little deeper. I had a conversation with some of the women at church. Mm -hmm. We dug into it a little deeper and found out that that was happening to all the girls. I'm like, wait a minute, what are we going to do about this ladies? And so we developed a different, uh, another ministry specifically targeting the young girls in this. And while that was good, we went ahead. Okay. I'm taking my children out of school. Mm-hmm. And it afforded us the opportunity to travel at our leisure. Yes. I love homeschooling. Yes. And it gave me the opportunity to take her back to where I grew up at mm-hmm. and to experience things from a totally different perspective. And we went the first time we went and spent 30 days in Mississippi at my grandmother's house because we're better to stay. Uh-huh. You know, it, <laughs> grandma's going to love you. She's going to feed you. <laughs> You know, it just totally changed her perspective and helped her get a greater sense of identity because we're there, different people, different environment. Mm -hmm. Um, My uncle was a minister of the church. And so we're we're in a great church environment, church home. And it totally helped to reshape the way that my daughter thought about herself. And I could not have done that if she was in public school. I could not have done that if she was in public school and that because we only have one girl that left my husband with that intimate time with the boys. Every time Denise and I would leave that left him that intimate time with the boys to just build and grow and thrive. And it, it, it's such a blessing. Um, Homeschooling is a blessing having our children at the young age, because we still had the energy. That's the most important thing. We still had the energy <laughs> so true. To, to do those things. He still had the energy to be the coach at, for basketball and football and run and do, you know, I still had that energy and I wouldn't give it up for the world. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so neat to see the, even with our different families and, and the journeys that we take and um, you guys have had influence in lots of different settings, especially being a military family. Um, 
but being believers and being an example there. And um, I, the, the, what you just touched on to me is an answer that I think a lot of parents are asking to, mm. to a question that they're asking. And they're trying to figure out how do I save my kid? Our culture's mm-hmm. gone berserk. Berserk, yeah. And no, I don't, I'm not going to say the answer is homeschooling. I think it's a t- powerful option, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not going to go that far because I, I just, I know some parents are not going to do that, but I am going to mm-hmm. say who influences your kids the most matters. And you need to think about that. It does. It does. Um, they're spending one or two hours in church. They're spending a few hours with you and a bajillion hours with others. You need to think mm-hmm. about that. Like that's to me, yeah. that means actually the worst one I'm seeing among our teenagers is not influences at school. It's online. Yes. So yes. there's the boundary right there. When they come home and spend yes. five to 10 more hours online chatting and chat rooms and, and discord channels and on their headset with people you've never met. Yeah. You've invited them into your living room. These people you don't know are influencing your child in your house. Mm-hmm. Under in your, your house foot. and you have no idea. Yes. Boundary, period. Boundary, mm-hmm. boundary, boundary. These things, I call these porn portals. Yep. I'm like, no. There are a lot of great ones yep. out there that have that can be locked down and don't have all that junk. There are new ones that are coming out that are only a cell phone and texting and a camera. And there's no social media, no internet. That's, yes. we don't. That's what we need junk. to have. Yeah. So- yeah. We've really got the resources to do this, the the, the tool mm-hmm. to change the tool. this culture, but they need us as leaders, as parents. Exactly. Or we need to give it's, our four old keys to the car and um give them a weapon, give them whatever. And mm-hmm. that's I think it was a yeah, that book Coddling of the American Mind, really good book. Secular research. Mm. And they literally said. Um, do not give a cell phone to your kid unless you would entrust them yeah. with a pistol. And then he said, which yep. one's more dangerous? The cell phone, not the pistol. The cell phone, yeah. not the pistol, because they'll probably walk away from it. Yeah. It's more than likely because it's n- it's of no use to them daily. Yeah. They would walk away from it. The, a good friend of mine was doing a dissertation um for her master's and she chose to do it on the dangers of cell phone use and young, her kids were younger than mine mm-hmm. at the time. And she asked me, was there anything that I regretted? And I regretted giving them a cell phone at such an early age. Uh, and so she asked, well, why did you do it? And at the time out of emotions, yeah. we gave it to exactly. them out of emotions. Exactly. Yeah, My husband was like on his second deployment to Iraq. And we gave it to them so that we can all get on a group Yahoo chat because back then that was Yahoo video chat. (laughs) So no matter where they were, when dad called, because his time was limited, when dad called, we could and he could catch them. He could talk to them. They could see him and out of emotion. And it is we spent the next eight, what, 12 years or so. Trying to figure out how to block them from going to things we did not want them to have. Ugh. We every time my husband figured out a new way to block the internet or a new browser to put on, yeah. they figure out a new VPN. Like, how do you even know what that is? Exactly, <laughs> they're smart. smart. Yep, they're smart kids. 
They need our leadership. I would not give them a cell phone. Yeah. They need our leadership. Exactly. And it takes a very big sacrifice um, to be a homeschool parent. It takes a humongous sacrifice to be an involved parent. And sometimes even when it comes to discipline, um, we were having this conversation with a young couple who was in trouble because they spanked their baby. They spanked their kid who was misbehaving in school too much. And so they spanked the young man and it led down. It's leading them down a road that definitely is set up of the enemy. It's obvious there's no abuse there, but the state doesn't agree with corporal punishment. It's not illegal. They just frown upon it. And so now they have these people trying to tell them how to run their lives. Um, And they, so they were having that question with us, you know, how did this happen? You know, what can we do? And we had, we've had that happen to us twice while raising our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And so giving them that guidance and that advice, it's like, listen, the disciplining of your child is going to discipline you more than them, but you've (laughs) got to stick to it. You've got to commit to it. It's like you're in more agony than they are because it limits you so much, but you will benefit from it in the end. If you hold on to your principles and discipline yourself uh, in those areas, whether, whether or not it's homeschool or not, because honestly, everybody cannot do that. We were blessed. I am blessed that I was able to do that. And don't let me take all the credit. My husband was much better at it than me, mm-hmm. even though he was the active duty person, he was much better at it than me. Great. But we were blessed to be able to do that. And and it does. It takes a lot of sacrifice and a lot of commitment. And our culture is all about selfishness. It is. And so you have parents who want the best for their kids. But that thing playing in the back of their mind, whether it's, oh, but I got to be here for ministry. I got to be here for my job. You know, I've got to do this. I've got to, you know, we've got to bring the money in. We've got to do this and that. And what we had to settle on and believe is God did not what he blessed us with, he's going to bless us to maintain it. What he caused us to obtain, he's going to give us the ability to maintain it. And if we're going to make these decisions for the best betterment of our children, mm-hmm. then he's not going to let us fail. He's not going to let us flop. We won't miss whether it's the money, the ministry opportunity. There's no ministry opportunity that's greater than what you need to be doing in your home. Yep. That was a hard lesson for me, especially because I'm the charismatic one. <laughs> But and once I one, did, and number one is your yeah. spouse, ministering yes. your spouse. Second is your kids. Yes, it's your kids. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, now that'll open up a Pandora's box with some women. It's like, how can you put your husband first? Well, if I don't put him first, then I failed. Mm-hmm. But Very I'm true. also not married to a man who would disregard our children. Exactly. So his whole objective is we're going to do what's best for our marriage. Yes, because we need to show up as the best people we can show up as for our children. So it does not take from our kids. It actually enhances who we are for our kids. Right. I love this conversation. We could just go on forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It has been a really great conversation. Absolutely. I'm so, um, so glad to have it. It's so refreshing to be on a podcast like this. Love it. What's your website? It's www.org laquitamonley.com okay and that'll be in the show notes too and laquitamonley.com and on that website they can do lots of things they can access your podcast do you have a podcast yes they can what's that called 
It's called Laquita's Toolbox. Laquita's Toolbox. Awesome. So yes. you've got a bunch of episodes there that um, you're equipping who? Who's your audience? Uh, Christian entrepreneurs. Nice. Wonderful. Okay. Yes. And then you can book speaking engagements, book Laquita to come speak. Um, yes. And then you can book speaking well. engagements and as and ministry as well. Yeah. Uh, um, the visitors can find um, the ministry tab at the bottom of the homepage mm-hmm. where you can book me for women's ministry. And you can also set up and book for preparing enriched sessions as well. Nice. Love that. I've used that for what, 24 years now. So yeah, love preparing rich. Yes. Yes. It, it is. And that, if you've not heard of it before, guys, just Google it. And I promise you, it's an amazing, amazing ministry. Love it. Love it. Laquita, it's so great talking with you. So great to get to know you a little bit. Um, bless you and your family and your ministry and your work. Love what you're doing. Thank you so much. It's been, again, it's been a pleasure and a blessing to be here. Love the work that you're doing as well. um, And would love to be able to come back again or even have you on, on my podcast. Absolutely. Let's do it. Love it. Awesome. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert podcast. It has been an honor to serve. If you are struggling, have questions, or in need, Dr. Gilbert offers a free consultation for new clients. Check us out at HealingLives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages transformed, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. The Healing Lives Center offers online courses, programs, books, intensives, and other services to help you live biblically and well. Discover more resources on YouTube and in Dr. Gilbert's Healing Marriage Facebook group, The Healing Marriage.